Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The book of Judges provides for us a marvelous glimpse into the future designs by God. It's all straight ahead today on Way of Grace as Pastor Jessica Stand returns us once again to Deborah here in Judges chapter 5. Weakness is God's strength. That is a subject the Apostle Paul deals with extensively in his epistles, including Corinthians. Well, it's nothing new. In fact, if we go back to the book of Judges, we see here in chapter 5 the sensitivity of a woman who, through weakness, brings glory to the gospel. Let's catch up with Pastor Jessica Stand and today's Way of Grace from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Here's Jesse. Every time a person enters into the kingdom of God, Christ has come down in power. Do you understand that? Christ has defeated the enemy. He made it very clear, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Well, Lord, come down because we need you to come down in this generation. The enemy has risen up. He's gotten proud, oh God. He's boasted himself. He's lifted up the head. Come down, oh Lord. Yeah, it's a great prayer for you to pray for your children. It's a great prayer for you to pray for your parents. It's a great prayer for you to pray for your spouse. It's a great prayer to pray for your nation. Lord, come down with 10,000 of your saints and frustrate the plans of this wicked nation of ours. Come down, oh God, in the power of your spirit. And bring about revival in the hearts of your listless, aimless, weak, and impotent people. Come down, O Lord, because the enemy has scattered your people. That's a great prayer, isn't it? That's a great prayer. See, it hurts when we have to turn it back in on ourselves, but we do. Point number two in our outline. I love this, the crushing head. Actually, point number two has to do with the hint. I think point number three in our outline has to do with the hint. Let me see, make sure I'm on the same page with you guys. No, point number two is the crushing power of the gospel. I love this. This is going to get us into an aspect of the narrative that uh, is not easily comprehended. Point number two, the crushing power of the gospel. Look again at verse nine, because what verse nine does is lay out something for us. When Barak hesitated to do exactly what Deborah had said, she says, look, Just because you did that, God has taken the honor from you. You guys remember that? Look at it again, verse 9. And she said, this is Deborah, I will surely go with you. Remember what? Do you guys remember what that brother said? I I ain't going up. Now the Lord has told you to go up. And this brother said, I ain't going up. Like God gives you a command. He means for you to obey it. He does not mean for you to send him a text back conditioning your obedience. 
Do you understand that? And immediately the spirit of God allowed Deborah to pivot. And she said, okay, I'll go. But here, understand, just because of that, you have also lost the honor that would have been yours. And we're getting ready to see what that looks like. This is amazing. Here's what he says. Notwithstanding the journey that you take shall not be for your honor, for the Lord shall sail, sail, sail. Is God sovereign? Does he control the affairs of men? Does he turn the hearts of the kings whithersoever he wills? Does God know how to take a man's devices and lead them into his own outcome and counsel? Right. There are many devices in the heart of a man. But the counsel of the Lord, that shall what? It shall stand. It will be appointed. It will be established. God is already now working with Sisera. Do you know that? Got that brother comfortable and thinking he has penetrated into the camp of the people of God simply because of a compromiser. Got that brother thinking he has an inside track into the kingdom of God because some fool thought that he'd rather make more money than to actually be in honor with God. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? God sold Sisera to a woman. That's, I, that's five minutes from now, but I've just got to tell you, that's five minutes from now. Sold Sisera into the hands of a woman because her husband created a vacuum in the home. This is really clear. See, Lapideth, which was the husband of Deborah, he didn't show up. He ain't nowhere to be found. This is called AWOL brothers, okay, in the midst of the war. Now we got Barak, and Barak is full of weakness. He's vacillating all over the place. Our brother's not looking good in this scenario, are they? And then we got Heber who has sold out the kingdom. Now, this is intentional. This is not an anti-male or an anti-masculine message. It is a warning that men, if they are not diligent to know who they are and stand in their calling, will compromise the gospel when pressure is on them. Where is Deborah's husband? We know where Hebrew is. He sold out for money. What doth it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We know where he is. He's a Judas Iscariot, Alexander the coppersmith, and many others whose God was their belly. We know that. But now we got to deal with this, this, this vacillating situation that's going on with Barak. Because this shifts the narrative. Notice what happens then if you, if you got the language. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Look over now at chapter, uh, look at verses 14 and 15 and then verse 16. I'm going to show you where it shifts. Verse 14. And Deborah said unto Barak, get up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into your hand. What a word. What a word. We could sit here and talk about the difference between um, uh, the qualitative nature of uh, of, of immutable, infallible prophecy and the adjustments in prophecy where man's volition actually is operating over against God's sovereign decree because you see it here. Barak had every right to be honored in the destruction of Sisera, did he not? The Lord was with him. The Lord had gone before him. The Lord had already sold Sisera into his hands. What are you doing, boy? The battle is won. God's on your side. Establish the victory. That's what a man is called to do. 
He's called to provide and protect and produce. He should have been on the platform. But because he was not the Christ, he could not be. And see, these are the equivocating positions that any of us can be called to. You and I can find ourselves just at the brink of success. But when we take it too personally, because that's what that's what Barack did, didn't he? Took it too personally. He thought this was about him. Now, you ain't never did that before at all. You ain't never did that before either. You, you, you never. And here God is giving you all of the evidence that you're already on the platform. The victory is over. And then you start to equivocate. You see how we can lose our mind for a second? And that's exactly what happens here. Look at verse uh, 14. Deborah said to Barak, get up for this day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Is not the Lord gone out before you? There it is. Is she preaching or what? Is not the Lord gone out before you? Didn't God make a way out of no way? Didn't he actually now carve out a path of victory for you, Barak? He's going out in front of you. All you got to do is follow the path. Now, isn't this what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 1? Isn't this what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 17? Didn't the Lord say, I will fight your battles. I will go in front of you. This is the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn. He was already in the land before Israel crossed over. This is the Lord Jesus. He is the captain of the Lord's army. He is the man of war. Is Jesus not the man of war? He's already gone before, but because God would teach us a lesson about weak faith and about impotent faith and about corrupt faith, we're going to learn. He'll save you. You're you're, going to advance, but you're not going to do what a captain should do. Now, look at the way this works out. Y'all got a few more minutes? Look at the way this works out. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor. Do you see that? It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. You need to be reading chapter five into this because in chapter five, the song that Deborah sings is storming and raining. The clouds have come over and poured out torrents of rain on the top of the hill. The rain is coming down on the mountains and rushing down and Sisera and his chariots are trying to go up the hill. That's a bad day, brother. That's a bad day. Iron chariots trying to go up a hill when the rain has turned everything into mud. Look, when you have the wind to your back by the grace of the living God, you go actually break some records when you run the 100 meter dash. When you got the wind to your back, you're going to break some records. You're coming downhill. They're coming uphill. All you got to do is let gravity take you down with your sword. And that's what's happening here. The song is wonderful in chapter five. We'll look a bit at it here in a moment, but just look. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him. Now, don't get it twisted. They were a minority compared to the hundreds of thousands of men that were coming up with uh, Sisera. So how is it that 10,000 men will fight against hundreds of thousands of men and believe they have a chance to win except by faith? Are y'all hearing me? This is why I share it with you in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, the very fact that Barak is in the hall of fame of faith. You guys see that? So he's there. Deborah's there. They're all there who obeyed God. A beautiful thing. I hope you and I are in God's proverbial book of faith as well. I hope you and I are because God has a book. I hope y'all know that it's the end of uh, the book of Malachi. God has a book 
We see it in Revelation chapter 20, do we not? God has a book, and in that book, all of our works are written. Lord, may it be that some of us are walking by faith and serving you. May it be. Strengthen us with all might in the inner man that Christ might dwell in our hearts by faith. Don't let this just be a story, Lord. Don't let us be mere religious people. Make, make it a reality in our heart, Lord. Help us to subdue the foe within. Help us to love the sinner without. Help us to identify hell that would swallow us all up. And help us be bold enough to tell it. 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 And then be willing to pay the price. Be willing. See, the other thing I could say about them going up to the top of the mountain and coming down to fight, they believed in the reward. He that comes unto God, you must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You're not going to get up. You're not going to go out. You're not going to go anywhere for God unless you believe that his payday is much better than the pain you go through when you stand for God. Am I making some sense? This is the reason why people don't serve God because they don't believe God pays well. May I tell you, God pays well. He pays well. You're never going to stand before God on the last day and say, God, you owe me. Did we learn that in the Friday study? All things are of God, through God, and to God. No one has been his counselor. No one has been someone that has given to God and can say to God, you owe me for that. If you ever do anything for God, he will pay you back manifold. You'll be so embarrassed by the abundance of blessing that he gives you for the few things you do in his name. Am I telling the truth? You will be embarrassed about how good God is to you and the doors he opens when you submit to him and walk in his ways. You will be embarrassed of the overflow of blessings that come into your life. You will be embarrassed. But most people don't walk in them. And therefore, they don't know. They don't know. Verse 15. Judges 4, 15. And the Lord discomfited Sisera. I love the way the narrative goes. Who's doing the discomforting? Now, that's because when you read chapter five, the stars in heaven are fighting. All of his chariots and all of his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak so that Sisera jumped down off his chariot. See, his chariots didn't help him then. It didn't help him then, did it? They were actually an impediment. Those hundred thousands of men would have done better climbing that hill on foot. They tried to go up in the chariots. They wanted to shine all the way up. God threw mud in the way and, and all kind of debris and rocks coming down the hill. They looked like a bunch of fools. And here comes God's people down the hill in the obedience of faith, fighting the good fight of faith. And they overwhelmed these hundreds of thousands of men. This is why this is not a numbers game. This is why serving God is not a numbers game. Woe unto you that get caught up in numbers. Right, this is not a numbers game. See, this is the other thing about churches. They get, they get wrapped up in numbers. Numbers mean nothing with God. Numbers mean nothing with God. I'd rather have the room filled with the presence of God 
than with the presence of a bunch of people and God is absent. I'd rather be in a room where God has filled it. There's a big difference, child of God. There's a big difference when God fills a vessel than when a man fills it. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Do you know the joy of fellowship where there are two or three that walk together in just the fullness of his presence? Do you know it? Do you know it where God clusters with a handful of men and women who humbly submit to Coram Dale and enjoy God's overtures in their life? Nothing better. Nothing better. Look, out of all of the excursions of our Lord Jesus in the Gospels, one of the great examples is him taking those three knucklehead boys, Peter, James, and John, up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And they saw things that nobody else saw. Peter said, I don't want to go. I don't blame him. Right. If you ever experience that kind of fullness of the presence of God and the richness of the prophecy and the exhortation and the reciprocation that men and women have when God has filled us up with his presence, you don't want to go. You want to stay right there. And you know what Peter said? Let's build a booth for Moses and one for Elijah and one for Jesus. That's when daddy stepped in. Hey! That's when the father said, hey, this is my beloved son. He's the only one you want to listen to. That's when Moses and Elijah disappeared. And do you know those religious fools built a basilica on the top of Mount Tabor to Moses, to Elijah, and to Jesus? This is your apostate church. We're talking the Catholic church. So men will often labor even under religious facades to defy God's truth. When God opened the heavens for the second time and said, this is my beloved son, it meant Moses and Elijah were to disappear. And the only person in our optic was to be Jesus. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Moses gave you the law, but Jesus gives you grace and truth. You and I don't put anybody in contention with Jesus. Jesus alone. That's the battle. So that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. Now, let me ask you the question. Got you for a few more minutes. What should Barak have done? Got off of his horse and started chasing Sisera. Shouldn't he? What was his duty to do? Kill the head. And right here is where it all shifted. Look at the next verse. Right here is where it all shifted. But Barak, do you see that? That's a sad contrasting conjunction. But Barak. Pursued after the chariot. Now, you know, this, I can use a little sanctified sense here because this was a stupid move. But God meant it for his own outcome. But this was a stupid move. You're the captain of the Lord's army. You can let all the other men go after these other cats. And don't you understand that you don't need weapons of carnal warfare? You do not need material weapons when the Lord is on your side. You don't need the chariots. The chariots aren't going to help you, Barack. Turn those chariots into some kind of business. Melt them down. Those are not your weapons of war. Don't go after men's weapons. Am I making some sense? What you doing, man? But I could also say with some sanctified sense that Barack was a beta male. He was not an alpha male. 
for you men who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. He was a beta male. He knew how to follow instructions, but he didn't know how to finish well. An uh, alpha male knows how to protect the totality of the domain. Why would you let the head of a snake live? Why would you let it live? to rise up again and come after you another day. You got the snake on the run. Chase him down and cut his head off. The Lord shall wound the head of the enemy. That's what the prophecy is. The Lord shall wound the head of the enemy. That's the prophecy in Psalm 68. And now we got to see the, the, the practical application of it. The Lord shall wound the head of the enemy. He said it. But now how is he going to do it? Because Barak has run off and let the enemy go in the other direction. The Lord shall wound the head of the enemy. And here's how he's going to do it. Just like he said he would. A sister who knew how to cook good. I am not going to milk this. Now, Barak did a great thing. He went after the host and all the hosts of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword And there was not a man left. But what good is it for you to let the general get away? Because he will simply go back and regroup to meet you in another day. Look at the next verse, verse 17. Howbeit, Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. See, look, you got to know this was strategically set up. Why? Because in the previous verses, it's intimated but not explicit that Sisera was already told what Barak was going to do. And before that verse, we have Heber trading and moving out of his own company into the arena where he develops a relationship with Jabin, which means Heber could have been the man actually telling everything that was going on in terms of what God's people were doing. So Cicero knows he has an escape route to go to, doesn't he? The traitors of the Lord. The problem is you got a woman in this tent She knew five things. I'm going to teach you about five things a godly woman knows. Okay? Look at what it says, verse 18. Judges 4.18. And Jael went out to meet Sisera. Look at that. Woo! She saw him coming. She said, here come that fool. Here he come. (laughs) Hello, Sisera. How you doing, bro? Hey, come on in here. Come on. Got something for you. Come on. Follow me. The just shall live by faith. Do you understand that? Do you see the assertiveness on her part? How prepared she is, how clear she is, how definitive she is. She's not vacillating. She's not discombobulated. She's not struggling with fear and anxiety. I tell you, she's clear in her intellect, clear in her emotional makeup, clear in her volition. That means she has a what? A plan. Does she have a plan? Right. What a woman. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, come here, my Lord. Turn in to me and do not fear. (laughs) Settle your enemy down. Do you see it? She was. So now this is when you talk about kindness can kill you. This is what we're talking about. And this is exactly what your Bible tells you in Romans chapter 12, right? When your enemies hate on you, you actually be kind to them. You feed them when they're hungry. You give them drink when they're thirsty. 
Because in so doing, what are you doing? You're heaping the hot coals of the gospel upon their conscience. This is what we talk about here at Grace, about counterintuitive thinking, about integrated thinking. Does Joelle know how to integrate, sisters? Is she integrating? That girl's integrating, isn't she? She bringing it on in. Come on, look at the Lord is good. I can see her going in. Lord, you are so good. Come on over there, sit down, sister. Sit down over there. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.